You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. At the start of at the start of every new year, there's always there's always a lot of talk about uh, about what might happen in the future. And sometimes you you listen and it's it's rather sad to hear what people say, but even like on the radio, you hear people saying that like, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a program and we're going to look into our crystal ball about the future. Now that that's nonsense, so it is absolute nonsense. But yet we 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 want to know, and we're, we, times we're asking, night after night on the news bulletins, the politicians are asked, when are the restrictions going to end? When can we get back to normal? How long are we going to have to wear these masks? And are we going to have to get a fourth booster or a fourth injection or whatever the case might be? And, and they can't really tell us. It all depends on, on the way the things go. But what would you do or what would you think if you, someone said, I can tell the future? What would you think if you heard someone say that? Well, I think rightly you should say, or you should be very careful, be skeptical, be skeptical. We should really keep clear of someone like that. It reminds me of years ago, remember at Port Rush, you used to go along the, 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 the path around to the strand, or, uh, and there used to be people in little booths, and, and you could go in and you could get your, your palm read. Do you remember those? The people would do that for you for a certain amount of money. The fortune tellers. But there's, there's, there's people like that yet and people who, who would still be so interested in astrology. I can tell from the stars what's going to happen. And then you hear people saying, thank your lucky stars. Well, we should, no Christian should be involved in, 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 in that, uh, that type of thing. But what does the future hold? But in verses, in the verses in, that we read in Luke chapter 12, the Lord Jesus speaks about those who would tell the future. Now, there's a very, very simple message in, in these verses. Notice, notice, first of all, then, the people's ability to forecast, uh, to forecast the future. Verse 54, he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and so it does. The people's ability to, you say, forecast, well, the weather forecast especially. Now, the people then that Jesus spoke to, like today, were concerned about the weather. This is something that's still so important. We like to know if there's a storm coming. We like to know if there'll be snow or rain. And the weather forecast is, is listened to uh, constantly. But before, the, before all the radio and television and all these charts that you, that you see now, well, our forefathers would have sought to predict the weather by the direction of the wind. Is it coming from the south, it tells us here? Is it the color of the sky? We used to say a red sky at night is a shepherd's delight. The red sky in the morning is a shepherd's warning. These are the things that were commonplace that people looked and looked and they, they, they sought to interpret the weather. 
Now, the people the Lord, Je- the, the Lord Jesus spoke to did something the same. That, ver- that verse 56, he, he tells us, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. You know how to interpret it. You know how to look up and see if, if there's a storm coming. You know how to, to really put your hand up and, oh, the wind's blowing from this. It's going to be a warm day, and so on. And you could picture a couple of farmers at the time of the Lord Jesus looking up into the sky and saying, it's going to be a good day tomorrow. Just as you'd get a couple of farmers today talking and saying the same thing. They knew from experience. But notice what Jesus said. Notice what Jesus said. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it? How is it? You don't know how to interpret this present time. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? The inability, secondly then, of, to discern what is really important the inability to discern what is really important. Let's ask ourselves, first of all, why, why, why were the people so interested in knowing the weather? Why are people so interested in knowing the weather yet? Well, the reason is, of course, they want to get the most. I have something very important planned for tomorrow. I would want to make sure that think, well, it would, be great that it would be great that it would be a good day. I don't want anything to hinder the plans and the ambitions that I have. And do we not often hear that the day was ruined? You know, you know I think back, think back to all the weddings that, that I conducted over the years. And you know, as the years went on, the time being when they were booked got further and further forward from the time that actually took place. It used to be maybe you'd have got somebody coming like at six months or nine months, but then there were people were coming at a year and you had to get your di- and hadn't got a diary that far ahead, and and then they were even coming earlier than that, you know, to book, to book a wedding. Well, of course, there's not, nothing wrong with that. But then you'd have to say to them, now, you can't possibly know what the day's going to be like whenever you're getting married two years ahead or a year and a half ahead. You don't know where it's going to rain or whether it's going to snow and how. And this is a thing, young people, and a Christian young person, you can't say the day was ruined because it rained. You can't say the day was ruined because it snowed. Your marriage is not going to be ruined by rain. It's not going to be ruined by snow. Yes, you might think it would be great to have the sun shining, but that, 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 this is, this is, people say the day was ruined. Why? The farmer says the day, the day, the hay was ruined. I was just about to bale it and, and the, the rain come on. Or the, or the builders say, I was just about to pour the foundations, the concrete of the foundations, and they got flooded out with a storm. The day was ruined. You see, for many people, every day is my day. It has to be my day. My day has to go well. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is his day. 
and tomorrow is his day as well. Every day is his day. Whether it's raining or sunshine or whatever, whether you're on holidays or at work, every day is his day. And that's something we should keep, keep very much to, in mind. But the thing about, you see, what these people are saying, I want to do my things. My, it's always me, my. So how should we, how should we use each day if we love the Lord? Well, we're to do everything for God's glory and the extension of his kingdom. Every day we're to do everything for his glory and the extension of his kingdom. Every day is a gift from him. Every day must be accounted from for him. Imagine going, uh, meeting, uh, called home to glory and saying to God that, look, on the, the, the 10th of June in, in 2020, that was a terrible day you gave. How could you do that? You didn't even think like that. And that's the way people would, that's the way people would, uh, 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 by their actions, that's what they're doing. Every day must be accounted for. Paul said, look, he said, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make full use of every day and do everything that brings honor and glory to God. You know, Charles Wesley, in one of his great hymns, put it like this. He said, forth in thy name, O Lord, I go, my daily labor to pursue. Thee, only thee, resolve to know in all I think or speak or do. Now you think about that. When you go out tomorrow morning, whether you're going to work on the farm, going to build a house, or going to work in the bank, going to work in the hospital, going to work in the school, going to drive the bus, whatever it is, forth in his name. Go, go in his name. My daily labor to pursue. Thee, only thee, resolve to know in all I think or speak or do, that whatever you're doing in your daily work, people will know that you love Jesus. People will know that you love Jesus. So that you'll be a good carpenter, a good plumber, a good bus driver, a good doctor, whatever, a good teacher a good bringer-up of children. You'll not neglect them. You'll do those things that bring honor and glory, glory to his, to his name. That's the time that we spend for God every day. Every gift is to be used for him. Now, you see, the, the people in Luke chapter 2 were blind to all that. They live for the moment. Why think of the years ahead? Oh, I hope it's going to be a good day, day tomorrow. I have so much to do tomorrow. It's all about now. Consider, consider what is really important as we think about this, you know, what, the, what Jesus is speaking about here in this, these verses. What was unimportant? What was unimportant to them, to these people? Well, his coming was unimportant. That's the first thing. His coming was unimportant, the coming of the Lord Jesus. Yes, the scriptures had been so clear about his coming. Even the very town, Bethlehem, was known. But whenever, whenever he came announced by the angels and worshipped by wise men, and yet he's rejected by his own people, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. 
Because, you know, after all, he was, he was only a carpenter's son, wasn't he? He was only a carpenter's son. What, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? And there, are there not so many who would say the same type of thing today? Even after, even at Christmas time, no time to talk about Jesus. Well, like I, I, I have a lot of money to make at Christmas. That's the main time of the year. That's what you hear. I have to buy and sell. I haven't time to talk about Jesus. So the coming of the Lord Jesus is unimportant. But also the work of the Lord Jesus, that wasn't important either. The people the Lord Jesus spoke to had many things to do. What could Jesus do do for them? What could he do for them? What use was he in their everyday lives? Whenever, whenever like things are going bad, like, you know, whenever you're in the muck and the mire of this world, what can Jesus do for you? Some people had to build barns, do you remember Jesus said? They had to go fishing, they had to collect taxes, they have all sorts of things to do. I remember one old man I used to try to get to come to meeting and he used to say, oh no, you have to look after the place. Jesus came to heal, to save the sinful. But that, you know, somebody said, but how does that help the budget? How does that help the budget? Today, if you went out to many and said to them, look, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus can meet the deepest need of your heart. Well, I know, being all my years on the Shankle Road, a lot of people would laugh at you and, and they'd say, well, look, I think maybe if I could, just, I could just win the lottery a wee bit, it would be more important than Jesus, more important than him. The work of the Lord Jesus is unimportant. But the offer of the Lord Jesus is not important. Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. He said, you would not come unto me that you might have life. You wouldn't come. Jesus said, if you will drink of the water that I will give you, you, you shall never thirst again. No, never thirst again. But that's not important. I wonder if it's going to be a good day tomorrow. I have so many things to do. I have to make money tomorrow. Some great business opportunities and the offer of the Lord Jesus is not important. Not important. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We've already looked at that in Matthew chapter 6. But no, no, I, I want a good day tomorrow. I want to do my things. That's, you see, that's the way these people were thinking. Jesus said, how is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? How is it? Do you not feel that there are many today who have not the desire or the ability to discern what really is important? The days are spent carelessly, and it's all about self, self. There's no time to ask the important questions. No time to ask about the things of God. No time to ask, what does God say about this? No, I have got a plan. I have got, sure, it's into the new year. I've got the holidays to plan now. Oh, now, come on. 
What a waste. I need a good day tomorrow. Jesus said, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? How is it you don't know really what's important now? Really what is important. But then Jesus thirdly goes on to say, judge for what is right, yourselves what is right. Verse 57. Judge for yourselves what is right. Now, these three verses emphasize the need to, to make the right judgment. We must understand what is important. What is the most important decision for you or for me to make? Yes, it's important that, that you, you make maybe a, a good career choice. It's important, young lady, that you choose a good husband and a husband, that you're a young man, that you choose a good wife. It's, all those things are very important. But what is the most important decision? What the Lord Jesus calls on us, he asks us, see, am I on his side or not? Am I on the Lord's side? Am I on the Lord's side? Am I following Jesus? Have I been, have I been reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus? And in order to illustrate this, Jesus tells a story. And you notice in verse 58, as you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to, to, to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge. Now, this is something that could happen to any of us. If someone, if someone accuses you of doing something wrong, or let's say, let's say that you, you do do something wrong, you accidentally drive into somebody, or let's even more, let's say you live beside someone and you have a big dog and it's a lovely big dog and so on, and, but it hasn't really a whole lot of sense, maybe it's still a bit wild. But your neighbor has no dog, but your neighbor has the most beautiful garden. Tulips and daffodils and all sorts of things. And your dog just one day takes a great leap over the fence and into your neighbor's garden and the soft soil, you know, he can roll about in it and he makes a great... He makes a mess. So what should you do? If your neighbor's taking you to court for compensation, should you employ, Jesus says here, should you employ uh, uh, <coughs> solicitors and all sorts of things and go to court and argue it out before a judge? Should you say, try to say that you're, you know, a, that would be foolishness. You'd be far, far better going around here neighbor with apologies and say, look, my dog did the damage. What you must do is make things right with your neighbor before he brings you to court. Be reconciled with your neighbor. Don't go before the judge, Jesus says, because you may end up in prison. Now, the spiritual application of this is very clear, isn't it? The spiritual application is very clear. Your sin and mine, your sin and mine is great, and one day we're going to stand before the judge of all the earth. One day we're going to stand before God, and he will judge righteously. So what then is a sensible thing to do? It is to be reconciled with, to God now, before we stand before him. 
to be reconciled to God now before we stand before him. Do you remember whenever Jacob, Jacob was coming to meet his brother Esau after years of being separated and Jacob, had, Jacob had, you know, hadn't been great with Esau and Jacob was afraid of Esau. And do you remember how he set apart different groups or, or animals and he set them off a distance between them. All he was trying to do was to, 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 get, to get into Esau's good books. He was trying to, 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 to make it that Esau would forgive him. But what's, this is the sensible thing to do. That day is coming whenever we stand before God, before it comes, before it comes. Be reconciled to God. I remember reading just a number of years ago one of those final trials in Germany of a, of a, a German soldier who had been a, a, a guard at one of those awful concentration camps. And they were in the courtroom and they had managed to find a, one of the, the, the Jewish prisoners who had been there. And these two old men, which were very old by this time, and the Jew was speaking, and he looked at the German, the, the guard, he said, you and I will soon stand before the judge of all the earth, tell the truth. Was not something to say. You and I will soon have to stand before the judge of all the earth, tell the truth. You know, it's, that's what we need to understand that we, are, we need to be reconciled to God, is to have that sin that separates us from God dealt with by the Lord Jesus and to stand unafraid before him. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, Paul says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. When there is time, he says, when there is time. I think that's so important. You and I have time now. We have time now. We mightn't have time tomorrow. We have time now. If we're not reconciled to God, then now is the time to do it. You notice in verse 59, the importance of this is emphasized. The guilty person is thrown into prison if, 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 if things are not sorted out. And they shall not get out until they have paid the last penny. But how can you pay from prison? Where do you get the money? A person in prison is in a hopeless, helpless position. He's lost. He's lost. So what could be more important than this? What could be more important than this? To be reconciled to God. Judge for yourself. Could anything be more important than this? Shall we stand complete at last? As the hymn writer puts it, bold, bold shall I stand in that great day. Why? Because Jesus has taken away my sin. Because Jesus died in my place. Because the Lord Jesus, because of what he has done, I'm reconciled to God. So let me ask you this morning, 
Do you understand really what is important? Really important? Now, young people, your exams are important. I don't want you to go out from here and say, he's only talking about one thing. Your exams are important, yes. And if you're a businessman, you have to work hard at your business. Then if you're a farmer, you've got to be a good farmer. That's, that's right and that's proper. But there's something even more important than anything else. And that is to be reconciled to God. To be reconciled to God. The people in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, we're looking up at the sky and said, I wonder if it's going to be a good day tomorrow. I have a lot of things to do tomorrow, you know. Look at the plans I have this week. Look at the business opportunities. Look what I have to do. What is your main concern? But what is more important than your relationship with God and my relationship with God? Will someone drift on day after day and say, oh, no, I, I, I have no time for that? Oh, that would be foolishness. Let me tell you, that would be foolishness. The most important thing that you have to do and I have to do in this life is to be reconciled to God, to know our sins forgiven, and to know that whenever we stand before the throne of God, then we'll stand unafraid, knowing that Jesus died and took my sin took your sin on Calvary and took it away. What a wonderful Savior. What could be more important than that? What could be more important than that? Let us pray.